you haven't seen anything like Ocu 2020. Primrose Leaf brings you the ultimate optimal eye support formula, containing more than 12 natural ingredients specifically designed and formulated to improve and maintain the health of your eyes. Ocu 2020 may help with the prevention of cataracts and macular degeneration, providing antioxidants specific for your eyes, and proper ocular pressure for those with glaucoma. Don't let the windows to your world be less than their best. Get Ocu 2020 today and start to see things in a whole new way. 844-376-0007 or primroseleaf.com. Sean Thompson is a former world surfing champion and has been described as one of the greatest and most influential surfers of all time. He is an inductee in the U.S., Jewish, and South African Sports Halls of Fame. And Sean is also a world-renowned leadership mentor, entrepreneur, environmentalist, and best-selling author. So today, he is here to discuss his book, The Surfer and the Sage, a book that will literally change your life for the better. So ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome former world surfing champion and mentor, the one and the only Sean Thompson. Welcome to the show. Thank you. That was a hell of a windup. I'm so stoked with, uh, with that intro. And it's, one, it's wonderful to be here. And, and uh, thank you for the, uh, you know, for the work that you're doing to activate and stimulate uh, well-being and, and help people who are going through tough times. Well, you know, I think we're, well, we've heard this saying before, we're all in it together, but you and I are literally here to truly, and ladies and gentlemen, you are about to be inspired like you've never been inspired before. And Sean, I have read your book, The Surfer and the Sage from cover to cover. And after reading your book, why are people today more interested in survival than finding their purpose and the power to improve their own personal lives? You know, the book was really stimulated uh, by what I saw as a malaise in the society. Uh, through COVID, I, I'm, I speak to lots of corporations, uh, and generally my speaking engagements were on a face-to-face -face basis. Very large corporations, schools, universities, churches, synagogues, all sorts of different groups uh, asked me to speak to them about activating purpose to lead a better life. and through COVID, in order to keep the presentations a little bit more interactive, um, I would ask people, please send me one word that describes how you're feeling. And people would text me a word and it would magically come across the screen and form a word cloud. So the more frequent words were larger. So at a glance, you could see how the audience was feeling in the context of just one word. And these were very large corporations with, with tens of thousands of employees, employees that were fully employed, um, you know, I was working for some com one company that, that had the only treatment at the time for COVID. So these were employees that weren't going anywhere. But still, the, the words that were coming across the screen, I called it a sad mindset, stress, anxiety, depression, and disconnection. And just before COVID, COVID I had met my co-author, Noah Ben-Shia, and we decided to write a book, uh, which was really a little perspective and a guide to help people move from darkness to the light, to move from a negative emotional state to a positive emotional state. So while we were writing the book, I was experiencing and hearing what people were saying during COVID, you know, stress, anxiety, depression, disconnection. And, and I said to Noah, Noah Ben-Shia, my co-author, he, he's a, a very well-known philosopher, Pulitzer-nominated writer, poet. I said, you know, people are really suffering. You know, perhaps we can right into this and 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 perhaps create a book that can just be an inspiration for people to move from a state of despair to a state of hope so we constructed the book uh, in 18 chapters because 18 is a number that has great religious and spiritual significance it means high in hebrew because every letter has a numeric so 18 means life and uh, we wanted this book to be about life and to be a guide of how to have a better life, to move from a negative emotion to positive. So we, we created 18 dualities. Um, well, actually 36 dualities because it's 18 chapters. So how we can move from a state of anxiety to calm. And we did it in the context of um, surfing metaphor because I was a top surfer and, and waves in the ocean, I think are a great metaphor for how we can just sort of get swept through life and 
and how when you look out at the ocean you you feel humbled and you feel connected to god your god whatever you know whatever religious faith faith you might be so this book is really a guide and and i'm i'm so happy that you know you you read it and and you responded positively to it because it's just there for for inspiration to help people perhaps change that mindset yeah and you know you kick the book off with anxiety so and you state that anxiety is caused by a fear of a future occurrence it could be failure injury or even death and anxiety is a deep dread of failing so for example what did surfing the bonsai pipeline teach you about controlling anxiety <laughs> well just to give your listeners a little bit of background the bonsai pipeline is the most dangerous wave in the world it's not the biggest but it's the most dangerous 18 people have died there and for every surfer that is our mount everest it's not like i say there's huge waves that have been discovered in the last decade that that, that are bigger but none are dangerous because it breaks over a very shallow coral reef, breaks relatively close to the shore. So most people are, are killed by impact with that coral because the wave comes up out of 3,000 feet of water and hits this shallow coral reef of, of around about six foot deep. And the wave stands up vertically and it's just very, very, very challenging. And as a young boy, for me, the ultimate test was to be able to go and ride and perhaps win at the Banzai Pipeline. I used to have a picture of the and so I pop and run above my bed and I'd look at it every night with both anticipation and dread. <laughs> um, so when I started surfing it for the first time and I paddled out there, you know, there was this tremendous uh, state of, of anxiety. I was really anxious, both from a, uh, a, a personal survival perspective and also wanting to put my mark on it and not, not, failing, you know, not, not wanting to, not wanting to fail at this benchmark that I'd set for myself. And, you know, whatever your aspirations or goals might be in life, we all have these aspirations that we set. And uh, for many people, they don't really want to have a go, give it everything because they might fail. And then it's, it's almost like this fear of failure is going to impact and affect your motivation and performance. And, and for me, I just, I always had a different mindset. You know, the very first surf competition I entered, there was three of us and I came third. In my mind, I didn't come last. I came third and, and I've always carried that with me uh, through business and surfing and now into my, my new life uh, of, uh, of, of trying to inspire people and activate purpose that best isn't it. You don't have to be Steve Jobs or you don't have to be Bill Gates, but you know what is, and I have discovered after speaking to millions of people, better. Better is better is our you, you know, better is our life objective. You don't have to be the best, and you can perhaps be the best in your field if you just try to be better. So um riding the pipeline, I just had to change that mindset and commit just to paddling over the edge, just to be better, not to be the best, to be better. And then ultimately that led me to, to being the best guy and the number one guy won the, I was, I think I was the youngest guy to win the major pro event at the Banzai Pipeline. It was called the Banzai Pipeline Masters. And I had my dad on the beach when I won it, he, he, which was just wonderful. He'd flown out from um, South Africa. So uh, uh, better, better better. I, I like that. And what I love about the book, The Surfer and the Sage, is how you intertwined your life story and all of the lessons that you learned. And those lessons are something, ladies and gentlemen, that we can all relate to. I couldn't stand on a surfboard to save my life, but by reading Sean's book, you know, by surfing the ways of life, you're going to start seeing things, well, in a much clearer picture. And Sean, you wrote in your book, and, and I love this, and I'm going to have to make it as my uh, wallpaper on my computer. And I love this quote. A great surfer will wax their board with faith and drop doubt at the shore. So how has your faith framed your life? Well, that is, you know, that's a, that's a great quote. And that's from, uh, from Noah, who's... Uh, 
who's a scholar of the Bible. And um, so, you know, faith has, has certainly been integral um, to my life, uh, you know, my belief in, in God and prayer. Uh, I'm Jewish and, and you know, whether you're Jewish or Christian or, you know, whatever, whatever religion or faith you have, uh, I think faith, having faith in a greater power, having faith in, in, in one God is, uh, I, I think it's just vitally important. And, you know, as a surfer, uh, whether it's Moses, Jesus, this, this connectivity to the ocean and to the sea, whether it's walking on water, whether it's parting the Red Sea, you, you know, the, the sea, whether uh, um, the, the sea just has this uh, mag magnetism for all of us. And um, yes, there's danger there. Yes, there's peril there. Um, but I think in that fear comes this humility and this connectivity to nature um, and to God. You know, I had a wave once at the Banzai Pipeline. And this wasn't in a competitive situation. This was in a free surfing situation. So when I say free surfing, the best parts of surfing when you were a pro were, were when you were actually just out there pushing your own limits, trying to uh, trying to be the you know, be as good as you could be. And uh, so it was a very dangerous day. It was about 15 feet, which is maximum size for for the Benzai Pipe. And I took off on this wave, and I took off. Um, in an incredibly dangerous position where people never ever take off, but I just happened to be there. This wave came to me, and I remember riding across, riding across this wave, and I rode inside the tube, which is the ultimate moment in surfing. It's when you're riding inside the spinning tunnel of water. It's like being uh, in the eye of a watery hurricane, and what happens? The wave implodes upon itself, and it forms up this great uh, pressure. And the only way that the pressure can be released is it blows out the side of the wave like uh, and you get blown out with it like you're getting blasted out of a cannon. And I was inside the spinning tunnel of water and I was feeling this pressure build up and it felt like time was expanded and the wave was moving in slow motion. But I knew this was the most dangerous wave I'd ever taken off in my life. I was shooting across coral that was about four foot deep. And as I got further and further inside the tube, inside the tunnel of the water with this beautiful uh, glass ceiling cascading over ahead of me. I looked ahead and I saw the, the ocean was getting shallower and shallower and shallower until the reef ahead of me was black. And I knew if I didn't make it across that portion where it was incredibly shallow and I wiped out the wave would kill me. It's the only time in my life I thought I was going to die. And you know what I did? I went, please, God, don't let me die. And the wave exploded and it shot me out like I'm shot out of a cannon. And I shot right over that dark path of death, right over onto the other side. And it was one of the greatest waves of my life. But I, I like to think that, um, not I like to think, I know when I did that, when I went, please, God, don't let me die there. That's, that's when you know about faith. You know, you actually put that story in this book. And I, as I was reading that exact story you just told, uh, told all of us, I could visualize being on the board with you. I could visualize that, that dark 18 feet of black shadow and you knowing it was the, the coral. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? And then, like you said, you just shot out the other side and it's almost like there's glory. You, you made it to the other side and, and just, the, and I can't even imagine just the moment of maybe it was maybe a little bit of fear, but then all of a sudden, just that relief getting to the other side, a, a, a victory. That's exactly what it was. Even though you weren't in competition, it was a true victory that, wow, I made it. I did it. And he heard me. Yeah. Yeah. It's that, it, you know, surfing gives you that feeling, um, absolute exhilaration when you balanced on that cusp of life and death. Um, it's just like there's an amazing, my favorite poem 
is uh, is by this Irishman called W. B. Yeats. I balanced all, brought all to mind. The years to come seem waste of breath in balance with this life, this death. So, and and it starts out a lonely impulse of delight drove me to this tumult. So, y- you know, this sensation uh, that surfers get and, and, and other athletes get, they call it being in a state of flow. But certainly when you have the element of danger involved, whether you're an F1 driver or you're a, a high-speed skier, um, it just sort of heightens that experience. And then it brings you, you know, closer closer to your faith it's it's so uh, interesting I've, I've never really read a, any you know an article or, or anyone writing about that that moment when it's just life and death what do you think in your mind like for me you I, I went back to I went back to prayer I suppose and faith and my mom um, my mom was a great believer in um, in prayer you, you know uh, I can't remember whether I wrote about it in the book and she'd say, you know, um, God's like um, a good neighbor. That's right. That's exactly what she said. When you knock on his door, (laughs) he's always there. He'll always open the door for you. So, yeah, that that, that came with... um, And I think that feeling, Sean, is... It's a little bit of a it's a miracle because you can't explain it. You know, you see what's ahead of you. You can see a possible danger. And then you kind of probably thought, how in the world did I make it through there? There should have been no way to make it through. But when there's a will, there's a way. But I, you know, I believe that God still performs miracles today. Even in the side of a pipeline, God is there. Absolutely, and I, I think we need to. I think we need to open our, our hearts to these uh, miracles and uh, not just look at them as um, uh, sort of like a cause and effect, um, or an effect and a cause. Uh, it's 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 there for us, and I, I think that um, you know we've we've as a nation we become really disconnected from one another. You, you know you have. Rep- Republicans on one side of the valley, you have Democrats on the other, and you have this black chasm uh, in between. And um, when I do my events and I, I do my, my speaking events, I just came back from El Salvador uh, two days ago. I did uh, a series down there for a thousand students of this amazing school and then, and then for two, two big corporate events. And uh, I, I talked to people about how words have got great power. Words have got great power to connect and words have got great power to disconnect um, as well. And that that our words are really important and they, they are the precursor to our actions. And yes, we can draw amazing strength from, uh, from you know, whatever religious writings you are empowered to read and whatever you believe on. But ultimately, we have to make the choice and we have to make the decision um, and that's why I encourage everyone and to talk about it in the book about about writing your code you know writing what you believe in the context of 12 commitments I will I will I will I will pray I will have faith whatever whatever you want to do and, and I encourage all the people listening out there if you want to create amazing connectivity as your family sit around the dining room table all of you uh mom and dad the children if there's uncles and aunties and grandparents around and all pull out a sheet of paper all of you and spend 15 minutes write 12 lines every line beginning with our will write your code just write your commitments write down what's next write down and think about you heard a surfer talk about the next wave write down your next wave and then one at a time you stand up and you share your code read it out loud to the people and you might be in an organization you might be in a religious group you might be a group of ptsd survivors you might be in rehab people use it in all sorts of different environments but what happens is 
yes, this is a powerful way of activating and finding your purpose, but it connects us together. And we realize that we are way more, way more alike than we're different. It's not a Republican on one side of the valley and it's a Democrat on the other side of the valley. It's human beings together with the same values. We all want the same thing. Now, Sean, as I was reading you, your book, you brought up the code. And you also brought up the surfer's code. Is the code method and surfer's code, is it the same thing? You know, they're very, very closely aligned. The, the method is the same, uh, but the surfer's code is really the origin. And, and to explain to your listeners um, and how powerful words can be, how powerful the ocean can be, and how powerful the minds of, of children can be, uh, there's this connectivity. So many years ago, a friend phoned me up and said, your favorite surfing break in the world's facing an environmental challenge. I want you to help me solve this problem. It's a very big problem. It's a $30 million problem. He said, and I'm going to give you a hundred dollar budget to help solve the problem. A hundred dollars to solve a $30 million problem. He said, uh, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring the local government officials, the state officials, uh, the local water board down uh, to the beach to tell them about the problem. And I'm going to bring a group of children and I'm going to bring the media too. And I think we can create, create awareness of the problem through the kids, but you need to, to do something to inspire these hundred kids. So uh, I went home and I thought, you know, what can I do for a hundred dollars to inspire a hundred kids? So, I pulled out a sheet of paper and in 15 minutes, I wrote 12 lines, everyone beginning with I will. I wrote down that the most important lessons that surfing had taught me about life, not how to be the best surf in the world or ride the biggest waves, but about character and camaraderie, honor, integrity, perseverance, resilience, faith, honor. And I started the very first line is I will never turn my back on the ocean. So, you know, that's just a metaphor. It can be meant in so many different ways. I mean, it, it can apply to religion and spirituality. It can um, apply to a love for, for the sea. And when I wrote that, I really thought of my father. My father had, had was one of South Africa's greatest swimmers, uh, was destined to go to the Olympics. And then a couple of years before was really badly attacked by a shark, nearly lost his arm. So his dreams were destroyed, uh, but he, took me and showed me how to swim and surf 50 yards or hundred yards away from where he'd had this terrible attack. So he, he never turned his back on the ocean or this great love. So all of the 12 lines had special meaning for me. And then I printed up a little card, a plastic card for the kids, it cost me a hundred dollars and I gave them to the kids. So the kids loved the cards. They got very, very uh, excited about them. And we created, I think some really cool environmental consciousness amongst the kids and the media liked the cards and eventually the problem got solved. The environmental problem was solved, a, a, a bond was raised, but the cards just sort of kept on going. The cards uh, sort of was like a wave, man. They just kept running. People would keep asking us for cards, asking me for cards. And my wife and I had a clothing company, so we started putting the the cards, these little plastic cards with 12 lines on them and that are called surface code inside the pockets or the, or the, or the board shorts, the, the swimwear products. So these cards were just getting distributed out into the, into sort of the world. And then people would ask me to oh, come and speak at our conference or come and speak at our school. Um, and then at one of the conferences, a guy came up to me, he said, Sean, I thought things to make a cool book. Uh, so we collaborated and wrote my first book. It was called surface code. So while the book was at the printer, I lost my beautiful 15 and a half year old son, Matthew, his name in, in Hebrew is a religious name. It means gift from God. Uh, and it, you know, destroyed, destroyed me. And I put the book on hold. I, I told the publisher, you know, I don't want to, don't want to publish the book. And, and then after a few months, I thought, now I've got to bring the book out to honor my son. And I wrote a, I wrote a, a epilogue and, and, uh, um, the book became popular when it was released. We launched on the Today Show. It was super cool. It you know, went to number one on Amazon in a genre. And, and, and it was just a very simple, really special, special book. Uh, 
So this is how, how life can work, Ward, and, and I, I believe in miracles, man. Not, I, 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 I've got it wrong. Belief is generally something you don't see. Uh, beliefs inside you, but you don't really see it. But I've seen it. I've seen it. Um, so now I'm in the water, and and you know I, I mentioned to you that mindset, the, the words have been stress, anxiety, depression, and disconnection. People have been disconnected, not just from each other, from faith, from hope, um, and and I love to connect. I love to connect with people like you and I don't know each other. I feel like I know you now, but you oh, know, I love to I'm the same way when I read, when, after I got through with your book, I was like, I mean, literally for the rest of the day, uh, after I finished it, I, that's all I could think about. And I even wrote my own 12 lines. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I did the exercise. Uh, I, I wrote my 12 lines. I got to read another You got to, you got to, your audience will be stacked. <laughs> well, I, I tell you what, hold on one second here and let me, let me pull it up real quick here. And here, I'm going to have to grab the other glasses so I can actually read these small prints on these computers here. So hold on one second, Sean. I'm going to pull this up. And here we go. I actually named the file My 12 Lines. <laughs> and, yeah, so, and I actually wrote My Surfer's Code. That, that's what I wrote. And so th these are... Um, th this is what I wrote. So I'm, I'm going to be open. I'm going to be transparent right here with Sean Thompson for all of you to hear. So these are my 12 lines. I will walk more by faith than by sight. I will be a better father. I will be a better husband. I will be a better friend. I will give my best to others. I will be more positive. I will move forward in faith and leave fear behind me. I will take all the all that concerns me to the Lord. I will keep hope in front of me at all times. And I will keep my momentum going even in a dry season. And I will know something good is always coming my way. And the last one, I will use all of my gifts, my talents, and abilities for others and to bring glory to the Lord. So those are my 12... I will so, lines there, Sean. That is so. That is so. That is so awesome. And and you know, um, Ward, when I was listening, you know, and I could hear, I could hear your, you know, connectivity to God and to faith and to hope, uh, and and I'd hear every line. Every line falls into, like I said earlier, one of two. I will be better. And I'll help others be better. And you know, your last line was all about helping others. So it's amazing that as people, if we can just realize how much more we have in common than than differences. Okay, so so now now to continue, just to continue with the story, and and that was so so beautiful, and I'm so thrilled and warm that you you did that, and I'm hoping that your audience does the same thing because it's so empowering, it's cathartic. And there's this vulnerability and accountability when you read it to others. It's it's just, I'll be a better father. I mean, that, that's me too. That's what I want to, you know, we all want to, we just want to be a better father. So, so now I'm sitting in the water waiting for a wave at the same place where I wrote the code Rincon about the environmental challenge in the water waiting for a wave at this great break, which is the problems being solved. And a guy a paddles up to me, said, Sean, I'm a principal at a local school in Santa Barbara. And uh, we only have 80 students, high school. We'd love you to come and talk at our school about your new book. So two little old farmhouses. So I go down to the school. And I've got my books and I gave some books out and I'm chatting to the kids about the book. And uh, in the middle of my, my discussion to them, I, I have an idea. And I say, you know, I wrote Surface Code. Myself, 12 lines, every line begins with our will. I wrote it in 15 minutes. What about all of you writing your own code? Same way, 12 lines, every line beginning with our will. I write it in 15 minutes and send it to me. 
I said to the headmaster, I said, is that okay? Is that, and he said, sure. <clears throat> so I've given the students an assignment, 80 students, 12 lines. So about a week later, I get, I get a thousand lines of code back, back um, from the students. Now, you must remember a few months before I'd lost my beautiful son. It was a number of months before my wife and I'd lost our beautiful boy. And he played a dangerous game that he heard about at school called the choking game. All the kids wore school ties. Um, and we don't know whether it was peer pressure, but we do know that this sort of deadly game was going around the school and, and it still goes around schools all over the all over the United States, all over the world. Kids play this game with the, with their school ties. And we, we lost our, our beautiful son. So he heard about it at school. Um, and that was the influence and he just made a bad choice. So the very first line of code I read from a young girl, she was 13. I will always be myself. And, and I, when I read that, I cried, man. I, I, and then because this girl, she wasn't going to be victimized. She wasn't going to be a bully. She wasn't going to be pushed around by peer pressure, which is so deadly. She was going to be herself. And it was such a statement of power and conviction. Um, and then I read all these other lines that these kids wrote. I thought, wow, there's really something here. So I immediately found out my co-author, Patrick Moser, who, who we wrote Surface Code together, who's a professor of French literature, just the greatest guy. And I said, hey, Patrick, we've got to write another book. And it's going to be a framework for positive decision making for teens. And we're going to call it the code, the power of our will. And, and that was the that was that was uh, um, my second book. And that also we launched also launched on the Today Show became popular. Also, we went to number one in the in the, in the teen self esteem category, which was just brilliant. Um, but that was the start of people writing their codes, because I could see wow, this is both a process of empowerment for self, and then it also connects people together because when you read it. People see who you are. They see inside your heart. They see inside your soul. And now that's what I do with all sorts of groups, uh, large, super large corporations and big university schools, super poor schools, PTSD, so that's anyone, anywhere where there's a group, anywhere where there's a group and they're interested in having me speak, I go along and I'll, I'll speak and I'll show people the code and I say, this is open source code. Use it in any way you want use it whatever you want to do with it to help people use it so families are doing it the schools are doing it and uh, it, it is um it's of a very fulfilling path but it came from surfing it came from students uh, and it came from despair and it's turned into hope because our world is about hope because it's a, not about yesterday it's not about now, but it's about what's coming. So, so that's what I do. And it's an action word. You know, I will. You're, you're making a commitment right then and there. You made a commitment on paper. It's kind of like what the Bible says in the Old Testament. You know, write it upon the tablet. And as we write it down, there it is. But then I like the fact that you've always said, stand up and read it aloud. So, ladies and gentlemen, I read mine aloud to you. And, and it, those words are brought to life the moment they come out of our mouth. So there's there's a second commitment right there. And, and ladies and gentlemen, I highly suggest, I highly recommend that you take time to write down those 12 lines, beginning with I will. And, but you have to get the book, The Surfer and the Sage. But Sean, I've got to ask you, because there's so much into this book that literally will change, every page will change someone's life. And in your book, the light shines ahead. You know, the words your son Matthew read to you two hours before he died. How has his words shaped your life since that faithful day? Very much so. You know, those words have become a mantra to me. I mean, they, they, they have become core to my existence. So, so just to share with with the listeners, um, about two hours before I lost my beautiful boy, I spoke to him over the phone. He was at school 
at my old private school in South Africa, where the kids all wore school uniforms and they, um, you know, they wore school ties. <clears throat> and I'd phoned up my wife. My wife was with him because he was just supposed to be there for the one semester. We wanted to just connect him with the homeland and with my sort of old school. Um, and I phoned my wife and he picked up the phone. He said, Dada, Dada, listen to this. And, and he read me this incredible essay, beautiful words. And I said, Matthew, wow, this is so great. Where did you get this from? He said, no, I wrote it. I wrote it in my essay at school today. And I went, wow. And the words, the light shines ahead, really jumped out at me. So he, he wrote an essay about riding inside the tunnel of water, inside the tube. And that's what I was known for in surfing. And that was the, you know, the wave I told you about a little bit earlier about pipeline. So those words, I went, wow, these words are, are super cool. The light shines ahead. And, uh, And then we lost our beautiful son. Two hours later, I got the dreadful call from my wife. He played this game. And and, um, and then I thought about those words. And then after I lost my son, I thought God had left me. I thought he'd uh, deserted me. Because I'd been, I thought I'd been, a, I thought I'd been a good person. You know, I always try to do the right thing and try to support my family, try to support my sport, try to, help others and thought, how can, how could you do this to me? How could I, how could I lose my boy? Um, and then I'll tell you about a miracle. So my wife and I are in hospital because my wife was in a very, very bad way and I didn't think she was going to make it. And, um, we're in the hospital room and my wife's lying in her bed and her mom is there. I'm there. And a friend walks in. Um, now this friend had also lost a son about a year before. And uh, this friend had been to see a grief counselor, a woman who a very spiritual, very spiritual woman. And, uh, he walked into the room to the hospital room and said, I have a message from Matthew. Now you must remember Matthew's name means gift from God in Hebrew. One bolt of lightning hit that hotel, hit that hospital, one bolt of lightning hit that hospital and shook it to its foundation. Bang. And the window was open. It was an absolutely clear sky with not even one cloud, not one cloud, not one cloud would bang. And that was like, and he said, Matthew's okay. Matthew, sorry, he made a mistake. And, and that was his message. And the, I looked around and that was like, um, blinding bolt of light was like a, a sign to me. And I started going to my old synagogue, my old shul, where I had my bar mitzvah in South Africa. And if any of any of your uh, listeners have ever been into a synagogue, every synagogue in the world is the same. You have the five books of Moses, the first five books of the Bible, it's called the Torah, in the ark. And above the ark, you have a light. It's called Ner Tamid in Hebrew. And that's the light of everlasting faith. And I'd sit there in my Alba Mitzvah and I'd look up at the light and I'd think about what Matthew wrote, the light shines ahead. And I think about that bolt of lightning that hit the hotel. And I knew God hadn't deserted me. He was there with me. And then the final affirmation for me was, I told you that the exhilaration that every surfer has, it's called being stoked. It's like a burning fire inside you. It makes you want to wake up early in the morning when it's freezing cold and you want to paddle out into the darkness and try to find that next way. But it had gone out. I had no desire to go surfing. And a friend of mine, a schoolmate, kept phoning me up, oh, Sean, I want to take you surfing. Sean, I want to take you surfing. And I, I went, no, nah, I'm not going. I don't want to go surfing. And eventually I relented. I went, okay. He said, I'm going to take you to a break. You've never surfed before. 
So we drive up the coast and uh, we're on the east coast. So we walk down these steps to this beautiful break. And as we're walking down, the sun is rising over the Indian Ocean. It's actually looks like it's boiling up through the Indian Ocean, this beautiful red orb and these perfect waves. And I paddle out into the water and I'm crying. And like the salt water is just washing, washing my tears away. And I paddle out and I wait and I can feel, I can feel Matthew's with me. I can feel God's with me too. And I swing around and I catch my first wave and, and I stand up and I can feel that connectivity and it feels a bit better. And I paddle out and I get another wave and my tears get washed away and I, I can feel Matthew's with me. And then I paddle up to my friend. And I say, so what's the name of this break? He goes, Sunrise. How about that? How about that? Wow. Wow. That is... See, ladies and gentlemen, I told you, you're going to be inspired, but you're, you're listening. And I hope you're visualizing, because a lot of you watch my show on television, you listen to the replays on iTunes and, the, and Spotify. But miracles happen. And a lot of miracles happen to where, just like Sean, you're by yourself. You may have a friend with you, but you're the one that's experiencing it. And, and what are those miracles for? Well, they're for you, for you and for that person at that very time. But like Sean is doing, he's sharing that miracle with all of us because when we know those things happen, you know, it, it's kind of like what Jesus said, you know, if you don't believe in me, believe in the things that you've seen me do, okay? And miracles are that way. Sometimes you, you just got to believe, oh my gosh, it happened, and, and you praise the Lord for it. And, and Sean, I want to bring up something so important in your book that I, I want everybody to watch and everybody to listen. When you speak to young people, you tell them to think twice. Why are these two words so powerfully important for you to plant into their young hearts and minds? You know, young people don't realize the gravity of the decision. They don't realize that uh, a simple action can have tremendous repercussions. So there's this aspect of impulsivity in there's this aspect of, uh, of risk-taking and, and, and sort of trying not to sort of banish the risk from one's consciousness. And I'm, you know, my, my specialty, like, like I like to think right now, is, is I help people find their true purpose. And for me, I believe writing your code can assist you in finding why you're here on this planet. You want to be better. You want to help others be better, but you want to make a commitment in your own way in the context of 12, 12 lines, just for clarity, focus, connectivity, and accountability. Um, but, but kids will be faced with a decision. The mom's not there. The dad's not there. The friend is not there or the person who they think is their friend might be there. And every single drug overdose or every single um, death from drunken driving, homicide, it it's all stems from that one decision. And I, I say to, to students, just in that moment, you're going to get a feeling You'll have a feeling, you'll have an instinct. There'll be a moment of intuition, but just, just think twice. When it comes time to make a decision, just think twice. When a friend says to you, get into my car and they've been drinking, just think twice. When someone offers you to, to smoke a cigarette or vape, smoke weed, take dope, whatever it is, just, just think twice, just stop. And many years ago, I remember reading a study on suicide victims. Uh, well, not suicide victims, but people who had attempted suicide by trying to get off the Golden Gate Bridge. 
Um, and they did a study, a longitudinal study of what happened to these people that tried to commit suicide by jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge. And only, I think it was about 5% tried again. So suicide, according to this hypothesis, and this is, you know, my area of expertise is, is leadership and activating purpose, but suicide's a bad choice. And it's a choice that people don't really want to be successful at. So it's the same thing with dope, cigarette smoking, whatever it is, it starts from a choice. And just in that moment, just think twice. So I ask students, I say, it's not a prescription. This is my perspective. And I feel people respond better when you're not laying down a law, you're just going, here's my perspective on life, perspective of a dad that's lost a beautiful son who made a bad choice in that split decision, decided to play this game, perhaps pressure from other children at school, you know, we'll never really know, but just think twice, think twice. And it's so simple. And I get them to shout it out. <laughs> what are you going to do? Think twice. What are you going to do? Think twice. And I get them to shout out, I will, equals power. I will. Because power. So I did it with a thousand kids a few days ago in, in El Salvador. And I do it all over the world. I do it all over the country. And it's, it's, I'm, I'm hoping that maybe there's one kid sitting there and, okay, I'll think twice. Or, okay, like kids will, will often write me afterwards and, and uh, they'll say, uh, you know, you can see that they're dealing with challenges and, 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 and they'll say, uh, thanks for the hope. And then your life feels fulfilled. Thanks for the hope. I mean, if I can, if I can just spread some hope. That's it. And, and ladies and gentlemen, if you've ever thought about, can you make a difference? Every person can make a difference. Sean Thompson has been making a difference in thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people's lives. So ladies and gentlemen, ask yourself, do you focus on the positive or the negative? Do you live in joy or fear? You know, do you paddle in after a wipeout or do you paddle back out? Do you take every good wave in life that comes your way or do you share with others? So think about this. Nobody can free you until you free yourself. And there is an amazing chapter in Sean's book, The Surfer and the Sage, even on forgiveness. And this is a book that I highly recommend every one of my viewers and every one of my listeners to read. So one of the things I want you to do on those 12 lines, I want you to, I want you to add one, but I want you to put it at the top that you will say, I will read this book. So many of you, you need to be freed from a wrong mindset and your outlook on life right now. See, look, there, there's a positive force heading your way. So I encourage all of you to go buy the book. It's on Amazon, The Surfer and the Sage, because the next wave in your life has been made just for you. And Sean Thompson, I know you better, not just by reading your book, but I know you better now. And you are one amazing gentleman. I am so honored that you spent your time with us today. Well, Ward, it's been, I can't tell you uh, how great of a pleasure it's been. You have such a wonderful, warm outlook on life. And uh, this is one of the best interviews I've ever had. I'm so stoked. And it's just been uh, amazing uh, to share hope and to share uh, faith and, um, and to, to just to, sh to share my, uh, you know, my simple message that write your code, 12 lines. Every line begins with our will and then share it. Share it with the people you love. That's it. So here's the book, ladies and gentlemen, The Surfer and the Sage. And I can tell you one thing. It's time to hang 10 right now. So... <laughs> You know, Sean, uh, Sean, where can all of my viewers and listeners know more about you? 
Well, you can go to my website, seanthompson.com. That's S-H-A-U-N-T-O-M-S-O-N. Or you can just connect with me on LinkedIn or Instagram. I'm very active. You'll see some cool stuff there. I love, I love as, you, as you can see from the interview, I love to connect with people. Uh, so a lot of people connect up with me on, um, on LinkedIn or Instagram. And, and yes, I, 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 uh, I would welcome that. Uh, uh, it's just been a, um, it's been a very enlightening and, and warm show. And I really appreciate it, Ward. You, well, you have a special way. And I can see that you have a, a special way with your um, audience and um, inspiration and, and hope and faith. It's what we need more of in this world. And, and, and certainly that's what you do. Well, I want to thank you for that. And and we need more people like you, Sean. And you have a personal invita invitation to come back to my show anytime <laughs> you want. And ladies and gentlemen, again, head over to SeanThompson.com. Find out where he's going to be. He could be coming to your area to speak. You need, again, you, you need to check out Sean Thompson. But this book right here, I mean, this is one of the, the top picks for 2023. I can tell you that right now. I have read it from cover to cover. See all that? I've read all those pages. I've made pages of notes just not only for myself, but of course for this interview. And uh, Sean, you're the man. But uh, <laughs> but again, thank you so much for the honor and the pleasure uh, and your presence and your words for all of us today. Thank you, Roy. Thank you. And, and happy holidays uh, to everyone. It's a beautiful time coming up. And you too, Sean. And ladies and gentlemen, again, hey, stick around because we'll be right back with more. The ocean has this elemental attraction to us all. Having ridden more waves than most on this planet, I've always felt that wave riding skills may help with a philosophy of riding life's waves. I've wondered whether there was a way to write a simple book, distilling what I've learned that can help others to find their inner power, to no longer feel powerless, and learn to ride that powerful wave rather than be swept away by it. Tomorrow never arrives. Never. Now is the only place you can find your footing. And no one ever stood on a surfboard who didn't fall off. So when you fall off, get over it and get on and on again. Because in this brief life, on this brief journey, of all the things you can make in life, why not make a difference? And when the surfer and I met, it was the right time to make a difference together.